Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, welcome to the Out of Spec Podcast. As if we don't talk about cars enough through all of our other outlets, we thought we would add the podcast to the mix. And I can say welcome back because this is our second episode. Um, check us out on Twitter at Out of Spec. That's all underscores. Uh, and myself, I'm Jordan at Jordan underscore Schiefer. With me, I have Kyle Connor at It's Kyle Connor and Ben Spreen at Benji underscore OOS and Mike Breeling at under M underscore Breeling. And we have a number of topics to hit today, including some driving of all the Dodge Hellcats, but also on the EV spectrum, we've got the Tesla full self-driving subscription. Um, we've been driving the Audi SQ5 Sportback, Model Y, um, Formula E has happened recently. Um, so lots to talk about. Let's jump right in with what have we been driving recently? Yeah, well, call on one of us. Who would you like to hear from? Kyle, what do, what, what have you been driving? Uh, been on a road trip, same as last show, still on that trip. And uh, for those who are unaware, we are taking our Winnebago Rebel, which is like a new Sprinter van with a lift kit and off-road tires and then a house shoved into the back of it. And we are taking that all the way from Colorado to L.A., San Francisco, back to Colorado, then to New York then North Carolina, Florida, and now we are on the way back to Colorado, finishing this trip off tomorrow. I am sitting in a Cracker Barrel parking lot, as it was the most convenient place to do this show, to get some good internet, good food, well, marginal food, and overnight parking. So that was awesome. <laughs> and yeah, I've been driving a few things. You know, I started doing this sort of like EV ownership update series where um, you know, while I, I love combustion cars and, and can talk about them all day long, I also love EVs and a lot of my family members own and drive electric cars. So, uh, Alyssa, my girlfriend's mom drives an ID for, I did an update video with her, uh, big views on that video. A lot of people very interested in ID four. Then I did another update with her grandfather and his model three. 86 years old, driving a Tesla like it's nothing. Pretty impressive, uh, cool video. You can learn about his aviation past, uh, basically flying planes directly into typhoons. I thought that was cool. 
and then uh, went down to Florida to visit my mom and spent a few days. I stole her Tesla Model Y dual motor, so long range, all wheel drive, and um, have a lot to say about that car. I think it's you know just as good as Model Three, better than Model Three in almost every single way, but two things really bug me about the Model Y. It's very firm, uh, quite a harsh ride, and the steering ratio is way too quick. Other than that, a near-perfect car to just like have in the garage to bomb around. Really love that thing. Great power. No need for a performance, especially as the performance doesn't have track mode, uh, even though someone at Tesla who's very high up, who's very popular on Twitter, said that it would get track mode. It doesn't have it. So don't buy a performance. That's silly. <laughs> Just buy a dual motor and pull a wheel speed sensor. And I drove that around for a while and it was great. Very efficient uh, for the new software on those dual motor cars. Man, you hit 60 miles an hour and they rip. I think a 60 to 120 mile an hour race between a dual motor and performance would almost be neck and neck. Um, never experienced that in a dual motor. Hers is not uncorked or anything. Man, did that thing shred up to about 130 allegedly and was very impressed with that car and um, did charging tests with it. So you'll be seeing a video coming out on our channel from a zero to 100% DC fast charging curve analysis I'd like to do with every EV. And that was a very interesting test. So that's what I've been driving. How about you, Ben? Well, uh, I just got my Model 3 back from Tesla service after the Parkinson's was failed. So I've been driving that. Oh, so you brought it in to service or did they come yeah. to you? Oh, um, they remotely diagnosed it, but I had to bring it in. So uh, it was just a firmware flash to whatever the, uh, I forget which body control module left or right that it was on, but uh, hopefully it that's it. Couldn't do it which, over the air? No, I think um, there was an update a while ago and I saw some people online mention it and I've just been living without parking sensors for probably four months because I couldn't have been bothered to go drop it off apparently until now. <laughs> That's pretty funny. And how about you, Mike? I know you've been cruising in the e-tron a little while. Yeah. So still, uh, that's pretty much, that is my daily driver is my e-tron and it's a great daily. It's comfortable, quiet, wireless Apple CarPlay, podcasts, Spotify right there. Um, it's actually pretty efficient on my way into work. It's a lot of downhill. So I get a ton of coasting that car coasts really well. Yeah. Cause it um, weighs as much as a small planet. Well, yeah, it does weigh. I could probably get weighted North Carolina plates for that car if I wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> it's how much it weighs. Section but that's pretty much all I'm driving. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I've not charged it since the last time. The only, last time we uh, recorded, I only charged it about once a week. So, so <laughs> Really? That's so yeah, funny. that's about it. <laughs> um, interesting. And I do want to mention, my dad hasn't been on this show yet. I'm sure he will at some point. Big car enthusiast, long time. But he is right now driving his new car home from the dealership. I thought it was worth noting. He bought a Volkswagen ID4. He's owned almost every EV on the market. And uh, now yeah, he's trying literally. Volkswagen's take. That's amazing. That, uh, so, I'm actually surprised that he bought an ID4. I would have thought I he would have got into it earlier. But well, I feel <laughs> I like <guess> he's <laughs> like a day one or nothing. And then he's yeah. kind of like a Lucid or Tycon or Model S kind of guy. <laughs> but then he surprises us with these weird oddball vehicles like he loved a prius once upon a time and he loved true. yeah and he loved what did he have he had this kona electric two of those he loved those so he doesn't necessarily need to be in like a premium car but he was like loving this id4 i just spoke to him he's like it's comfortable lane centering's awesome <laughs> and he just got a base pro 
and yeah, he's pretty pumped about it. Nice. So yeah. who did you say was 86 in driving the Tesla? Yeah, Alyssa's grandfather is 86 okay. years old with his Model 3. Yeah, my, my grandpa is, he has unfortunately no interest in cars, and I tried to get him to get something more exciting. But he, when he was 90, he bought a Trax, Chevy Trax. Oh. And now he's 96 and still driving it, and he loves it. And I'm <laughs> not sure why, but I guess... If you're 96 and still driving, no one can question anything you do, honestly. Well, I mean, yeah. it just shows, uh, you know, look, he doesn't know anything about cars because he's loving his tracks. But yeah. isn't the new Trailblazer the replacement for the tracks? I, I think, think so. is what it is. And yeah. that yeah. is a great car. Or is that just yeah. the Blazer? Which is bigger? No, the Blazer is bigger. And then the Trailblazer <laughs> is not it's as tiny. trail focused. Makes sense, right? <laughs> of course, yeah. of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the, Logical. the Blazer is great off-road, or at least better than a Volkswagen Atlas base camp, as Jordan and I found out. Uh, we took them on an off-roading <laughs> battle, and your Atlas, well, you, you took an Atlas from Volkswagen, and man, was that thing shit off-road. Excuse yeah, my language. If, it deser if, it's if deserving. If your base camp is like right. your cul-de-sac you live on, and then your adventure <laughs> is your road around the neighborhood, it's great. But well, if you want to go there. on actual trails... <laughs> It was just so bad. And that blazer, man, nothing could stop that thing. And yeah. then, uh, yeah, I took the trailblazer on another adventure, and that was really good, the three-cylinder. So, man, GM's making some good cars, actually, and impressing me. So, Jordan, you've been driving some stuff. Tell us about it. Yeah, so also from Detroit, but not GM, uh, I went to go do a Dodge SRT event last Thursday. Hell um, so yeah, I, brother. Yeah. <laughs> I went to Bandemir Speedway and um, it was for the NHRA. They had a, a big race last weekend. Um, and so they had some of the press come out and see you know, the press conference with the, the drivers, um, Matt Hagen and Leah Pruitt, who are, I guess, famous in the dragster world. I don't follow dragster motorsports, um, but I kind of want to now because it was fascinating. Um, and so I got to ride with them and then ride them or drive them. Like I, they taught me how to drive down the drag strip and then I drove down the drag strip. Um, so that was kind of fun. Do you have any and, video from that or pictures that we could share? I think we put something up on out of spec, right? Yeah. I, I've got a video here. Let me reshare this. Um, but yeah, so let's see. Yeah. We're working through it. It's so While you're doing that, I want to know what is the biggest takeaway you had with professional coaching of driving in a straight line? I know there's more to it because Kyle and I, we've we've taken every test we've had to the drag ship because, you know, that's an easy, a relatively easy thing to do with the cars. But we what have was taken like from a professional stuff to a drag oh, cool. ship. We, yeah, we have taken RDX Turbo to a drag ship with Andrew Benjack years I ago. I remember that. Yeah. I don't think it was fast. <laughs> no. Um, but like what was the like the 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 tip or the tool or the you know coaching I mean, that you it, thought was like most interesting that you wouldn't think of maybe? It, it's it comes down to so much of just timing with getting your foot on the gas or really letting off the brake um right when that light hits green. And like there's there's more to it when you get to like the really crazy like like Matt Hagen's famous for his funny car. Um, but yeah, it was, it was interesting. I, I drove a variety of Hellcat vehicles, um, including like the, actually I drove my first 
six-speed Hellcat Challenger. That was a lot of fun. And I did not stall it. And one of the they had a bunch of instructors from Radford there too. Mm-hmm. And the guy who was teaching me did stall it. So I felt pretty good about that. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, that but was... did you do the inverse, which is worse, which is fry the clutch? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because I, I, you know, the, let me just tangent for a second. A lot of people are like, and Ben, you and I have spoken about this. A lot of people are like, I've never stalled a car. And then they pull away at 6,000 RPM. <laughs> <laughs> like, obviously, you're not stalling it, but you got two seconds out of your clutch there. Yeah, yeah got to replace the clutch at, at, you know, 40,000 miles. That's a normal service interval for a clutch. Yeah. Like, I don't think so. I think it, you know, it, it should be 100,000 miles, realistically. I don't know what you're doing with it. Uh, no, do it they is. have no lift shift, Jordan, where you keep your foot down like that Mustang Mach 1 did? Um, I don't know if they did. Well, they, they probably did, would have uh, told you if it did. Yeah, yeah, they didn't. They didn't tell me, so maybe not. Oh, okay. Um, but it was fairly limited as far as the two hours I was there. It was limited time in each car. Um, I mean, one of the most impressive was the Durango SRT Hellcat. Like it's three row SUV and it just throws you back in your seat. And in some ways, it. I mean, it's slower than the Challenger. And charger, but it felt faster just because your mind is not expecting it when you're that far <laughs> off the ground. <laughs> the Durango um, Hellcat, quick fact, is actually faster than the Jeep Grand Cherokee Trackhawk by a tenth of a second. How wow. is that possible? I don't know, but it is. <laughs> it's bigger. <laughs> I know. Maybe uh, just yeah. the power down better. Who terrible knows? that that Jeep Grand Cherokee chassis is. That's yeah, like well, a twenty-year-old E-class at this point. Yep. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's just sucking up the power. Helps. I don't know. <laughs> well, it's, it's like a base. really cool event. Um, so this is something that cool. that SRT hosted uh, for like local Colorado car people to come to, or just general media, or what was it? I think most people there were like motorsport media, so I felt a little uneducated um but (laughs) it was it was really cool to talk to them about just how these operate i mean the let's see the funny car there on the right this right here this is matt hagan's funny car um about eleven thousand horsepower and eighty thousand foot pound of torque um which (laughs) is just yeah and so (laughs) it's funny because so he drives this and then leah drives a top fuel dragster so the engine for hers is behind her and so funny car people make fun of the dragster people because they're like, oh, you pansies, if your engine blows up, it's not in your lap like ours is. <laughs> so <laughs> that was funny to see them kind of duke it out back and forth. But they were really cool, really enter- entertaining to talk to. Um, I basically proved my ignorance. You know, I was like, hey, Leah, does your husband like cars? And she's like, oh, I'm engaged. And I was like, oh, cool. Congrats. She's like, yeah, you may have heard of him, Tony Stewart. And I was like, oh, (laughs) I pretended like I knew exactly who it was. And then I was like, I know that name sounds familiar. And then, yeah, I go tell my dad and he just basically slaps me. So, yeah, famous NASCAR racer, I guess, is her uh, fiance. So that was fun. Um, So we sent someone who could really appreciate this event. I'm glad. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah it was it was a lot you have learned as much if you already were an expert on the subject that's the whole point i think that's I a great learned, point ben i learned more than anyone else did there everyone else was kind of i mean honestly some of the other journalists were seemed a little bored but they had driven all these cars already and you know would, were more interested in the race that was following the weekend versus me i was like totally smitten with how cool it was so we'll have a video coming out on this pretty soon 
Um, but yeah, Ooh, and can't then wait uh, for that. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm looking yeah. forward to see that too. And besides that, um, I've been driving the Audi SQ5 Sportback, so that's been a lot of fun. Actually, my first. Audi we didn't experience. talk about this last show, did we? No, no I, I, so. I didn't pick it up till the day no. after. So. Oh, that's right. So this is uh, first off the best color Audi SQ5 Sportback. Yeah. Yeah. So it's green. Yeah, me and Timon were talking about this today because it's 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 a very foresty green, but they call it district green, which is like a very urban name. So, it's an urban jungle kind of car. <laughs> yeah, it really is. It, it doesn't look nearly as off-roady as I think I would. I would want my SQ5 to be more off-road, I think, but I get a lot of people like them for the performance, and it is fun. No one's taking that good. off-road. And no, just, nobody's yeah. taking any Audi off. <laughs> Not anymore. Um, but tell us the highlights. How much is it? What's the power, torque? How does it drive? Yeah, mine was. 66. Do you have any pictures of it? Yeah, let me pull one up. Mine was sixty-six thousand, um, and it had like the performance pack as well as cool. yeah. And so, what does pack, the performance pack give you? Basically, the better brakes and oh, okay. red so brake like hardware stuff. Yeah. And I don't remember what all it did. You get some uh, differential too, like a rear differential, don't you? Like an upgraded one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Upgrade differential, better brakes. Um, you know, little. Well, I guess carbon fiber like everywhere in the dash. It actually started <laughs> annoying me. It's um, like Kyle's uh, Rebel. Yeah, basically same performance. <laughs> oh, I hate the carbon fiber. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I I haven't edited all the photos yet, but these are a couple of iPhone shots, um, and it, it is a very beautiful green it, it's kind of got this like sunset gold color fleck in it so it, it looked really good at sunset um i i actually like the silver wheels with it and i usually don't like silver wheels at all so um i don't know it's i disagree it's, with you completely there yeah, I, know. <laughs> I think uh i love silver wheels but i hate these silver wheels <laughs> yeah i don't like the design of these wheels but i'm i'm with you on the silver wheels i like that they didn't just know give you like a black optic package blacked yeah. out one though that would probably look good but i do have a question looking at this photo here are those exhaust tips fake real <laughs> oh they are fake because exactly audi's really mean. good at faking exhaust tips nowadays they, yeah, they, they look, are they look so good until they look like so good bend wait down. they're not real they're completely no, plugged behind plastic. a bumper with like a normal muffler and like curves. I, it dumps out the bottom. No, I know they do that on their non S model. They do cars, it on all of them now. But they now do them on the. Do they do this on RS cars? RS six has normal uh, exhaust tailpipes. Okay, but how about like the connected. RS e-tron GT? Will that actually have real tailpipes then? No, because it's got no engine. No, I know, but imagine <laughs> they could put real tailpipes on the one that doesn't need it. I can't believe those aren't real. That's unbelievable. That's yeah. it looks failed. better. It looks better than a lot of real exhaust, which is so sad to me. I guess I'll <laughs> make a dirty. counterpoint for these <laughs> fake exhausts. Actually, no. What? From a consumer, <laughs> no. <laughs> From a consumer standpoint, your tips aren't going to get all black and sooty around the edge. And I think for some people, that's something that you know the. It, well, one, Audis tend to do uh, a lot of soot on the exhaust. It's just sort of a thing with Audi turbo motors, typically. Uh, and so this way, they will look nice and shiny and silver for the entire ownership of the Are car. Are you alleging that a lot of Audi products have carbon blow-by? 
I uh, am not, but I would say from my own experience uh, following Audis, whenever they seem to merge on the highway and get on the gas kind of quickly, you always get a little puff of smoke. Uh, that's, that's how you know. Um, that's clean diesel or clean emissions at work. Ben, you know the, uh, the, the X5 trick with the taillights or the tailpipes, which you, I think you and I used to spot this when we were on road trips. We could guess if an X5 of the E70X, E70X Oh, the diesel versus gas-powered one? Yes. If it was a gas N54, the tailpipes were black. If it was a diesel, mm -hmm. perfectly clean. Yeah, exactly. They'd be silver. So I think that's why they're doing that. And they don't look so fake, because they look, the, the, the fake tailpipe goes, has a bit of depth to it. So it doesn't look like someone just put a circle on the back. I kind of see where they're coming from here. I, you know, do I love it? No, but does the average SQ5 buyer care? Maybe not. Um, oh, I want to comment on those S, wheels looking tiny though, because those, those wheels yeah. look really small on that car. Yeah, it needs the big wheels. <laughs> How yeah, big are like twenties? Yeah, this one comes with twenties across the board as standard wireless CarPlay as standard. I mean, it, it was really impressive as a first Audi experience ever. I was impressed. Um, and it 349 horsepower, 369 pound feet of torque. I mean, it was. It's a mild solid. hybrid, isn't it? It's a what? Is it a mild hybrid? I don't think so. Oh, okay, because the all road that we had was a mild hybrid. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, this it has really the. Cool. Uh, yeah. yeah, so it's the A8, the six cylinder one. Yeah, I think this might have an electric turbocharger. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so the way the that it works on the, really good. Uh, so I so not on Audis. Audi auto start stops with mild hybrid start stop like normal cars, um, which is weird because everyone does mild hybrid differently. We can do a whole show on this. Some of them do the pancake motor, which help with uh, stop start because then the pancake motor on the crank basically acts as your starter motor, which is every Mercedes now. And then some of them yeah, yeah. claim their mild hybrid by having a uh, electric turbocharger to spool things up. Uh, and this can spin up like 75,000 RPM in like a tenth of a second. And that's how Audi does it, but it still stop starts normally. Same with Land Rover. Uh, and then there's one other way that is skipping my imagination. The um, e-boost thing that uh, Chrysler and Jeep do on the Dodge Rams, that like which alternator belt that's a motor, belt-driven yes. thing. Yes, thank you. Um, That's exactly. I, I Those just looked it up. The the SQ5 is not mild hybrid in the US. They do an SQ5 TDI, which is mild hybrid, but we don't. Ah, well, they should have put that mild hybrid engine in there because that was a stellar engine that we have in well, our. Well, in the, uh, the Q5, the engine sits transverse, so it, it probably wouldn't wouldn't work quite that great. Is it? It's a three liter V6, though, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's the I same size. Well, it's just facing the wrong way. You know, there's some packaging and whatnot. While you're fresh on the SQ5, what you need to do is get behind a Macan S steering wheel and see, because those are kind of like sibling cars. And it's amazing how different the two actually drive. Okay. Explain different, Ben. So for, uh, you know, when Porsche built the Macan, they were told, okay, from Volkswagen, look, you got to be kind of conservative on the price here. We're going to give you some of this stuff. You're sharing this development with Audi. And they're like, sure, we'll do that. And then they changed almost all the hard points, made the engine face a different direction, re-engineered their own all-wheel drive system, put their own dual-clutch PDK in it, and kind of like wrecked the whole let's do this on a budget <laughs> concept. But as a result, like for, you know, if you're at Audi, I'm sure you'll hear, oh, it's the same as the, the Macan, but it's a better value. And then if you go drive it, like I've seen people do both, and it's really interesting to actually see the 
how that because they're both very different in their personalities, but they have this, you know, VW group homogeneity to them almost. But I think it's cool to try and do it just after doing the SQ5 because it'd be an interesting, like, one to the other jump because yeah, you'd so be more attuned to those details. Jordan, come on up to Fort Collins this week or maybe even tomorrow or Friday, and uh, we'll, we'll get you in a Macan S. We have a great Ed Carroll Motor Group who I'm going to pitch to sponsor our podcast. Uh, so we're going to plug them now. Uh, they are great supporters of our channel and will get us any car we need for any video, for any purpose, at any time. They own Porsche, Audi, Volkswagen right down the street from my house. And so you can drive a Macan anytime you'd like, Jordan. Sweet. Yeah, I, I got to compare it now. <laughs> yeah, that would be a good comparison. But I, I think I like the standard back better than the sport back but i get some people oh, of really course. like the sport back but no you know, they don't know I, I, I have to agree with you it's not uh it just kind of makes the nose look really big all of a sudden the you know the sport back on the infinity i talked about last week was incredible i think that suited it but the audi it just i missed the standard kind of cuv back that that real hatchback well, yeah, I mean, let this. there's this trend, and it started with the X6, which is yep. let's make it uglier, less practical, <laughs> heavier, and more expensive. And it's like, yeah. how is that a selling point? And then you get people that are like, give me all of my money. You know, take all my money. And I can't figure it out other than when someone rolls up in an X6 or an e-tron sport back or something, I'm like, I don't want to talk to you. I just already know that we so, disagree yeah people wanted like people obsess over buying cuvs now and they have for a while because of the higher ride height and the more storage capacity well now they're like but wait the sportback styling is so cool so basically they want just a lifted sedan and then pretty soon they're gonna be like check out this lowered cuv that's sportback and then they'll be like that's just a sedan <laughs> just or maybe we can a wagon and it's game over. Just buy a wagon. That's okay, all but everyone needs. There's an argument there, Mike, which is a lot of these CUVs are just wagons now. I know. My e-tron, when it's slammed on the ground in efficiency mode, <laughs> it's part, a wagon. looks like a wagon. Yeah. It yeah, does. I it's think, crazy. I think it's a secret way for us to indulge in wagons and for normal people to make it financially viable. <laughs> Now, if they made an uh, A6 all-road electric, I would buy because I love the A6 all-road. No, they already make the best one. They already make an RS6 Avant, <laughs> which is the only car you ever need. <laughs> I know, and I would have one of those too, even though they're not electric at all. It would be I don't know. terrible. Tycon Cross Turismo Wagon, that, ooh, that could be the only EV you ever need there. Ben, that's we are we got to do RS6 Avant versus Tycon Cross yes. Turismo. E63 AMG, just throw that in there. No, that needs to be. And the Audi uh, e-tron GT, that that new one. No, that's ugly. It's not a wagon. It has to be the battle of the wagons. (laughs) Yeah, I I guess that's a good comparison. Yeah, it has to be. Yeah, Taycan and RS6 Avant are the two cars I would go and buy today if I had all the money in the world. I'd yeah. love to do a cross-country road trip like to Oregon in the wagons and make this whole thing about a comparison to the 1800s when they were crossing the country in wagons to get to Oregon with the Oregon Trail. The Oregon Trail? I, I like that. that. <laughs> Covered uh, wagons. You'd, you'd have get to there really Missouri. fast in the Audi. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that really wagon fast. would be a lot faster than the Tycon wagon. Yeah. 
Um, let's talk about Tesla <laughs> trigger. Uh, no, uh, full self-driving <laughs> is now a subscription. So I wanted to talk about this because, well, I mean, we've probably all experienced full self-driving and its various elements over the years. But now that it's a subscription service, I wanted to get your guys' thoughts. Well, first off, can you explain what autopilot is and how like cars still get it and full self-driving is like a thing on top and like explain to our yeah, audience so what's going on. For a long time, when you've bought a Tesla, you could then buy full self-driving, which is really oscillated in price. I mean, lately it was kind of $8,000 and then it was $10,000 most recently. And that really just gives you like kind of like the full radar dynamic cruise control with lane keep assist a lot of cars get, but typically much better. Um, pretty much every car I test has that lane keep assist and radar cruise, and I'd never really trust it versus Tesla's I've trusted probably the most, at least in normal driving. Um, it's still not, well, so part of the controversy is it's really not technically fully self-driving, but that gets into legal stuff. And yeah, so it, it is just a good driver assist feature. I think autopilot was a better name um, just because I mean, that's kind of like what planes do like they fly themselves, but the I still think still that's a terrible name. So really? <laughs> every Tesla comes. So just so our audience understands, every Tesla has autopilot that you buy today. You know, let's forget about all the iterations with enhanced autopilot and all the other mm -hmm. stuff from back in the day, autopilot one, two, and three. That is uh, also its own episode. That's a whole, oof. Um, <laughs> the history of autopilot, Tesla, two hours. <laughs> yeah, every Tesla you buy today has driver assistance features and safety features that are actively working for you. You get forward collision warning, uh, lane departure assistance, all of this is standard. And you get adaptive cruise control and lane centering. Uh, so you buy a Tesla today, it will autopilot down the highway, and it's awesome. As long as you pay attention and you're staying aware of your surroundings, don't trust the systems like a lot of Tesla YouTubers do and sit in the back seat. That's dumb. But you don't need full self-driving for that. The full self-driving so-named package that will never be full self-driving, my opinion, is um, basically adding extra features on top of that baseline software solution, which are right now very limited. And up until this point, Tesla was charging an astronomical amount of money for it. It started at, I think, $3,000, then five, then seven, eight, then 10, I think is how it went. And so you buy a base Tesla, you slap 10 grand on the hood, and now all of a sudden, with a flick of a switch, it'll make lane changes for you, and it will summon around a parking lot to come get you. Sometimes it pops curbs, sometimes it doesn't, sometimes it runs into people. Uh, <laughs> and I'm trying to think what else you get with uh, full self-driving, but basically lane changes, stopping at stoplights. Nav navigate on autopilot. Navigate on autopilot, which just- Auto lane change. Yeah, gets you into the fast lane and then back uh, over. Auto parking too, yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. Traffic light, so, stop sign control, yeah. We're talking to me like five hundred dollars worth of value. The only thing out of all of this that I care about is lane changes. Mm -hmm. uh, wouldn't you agree, Ben? As a Tesla Model Three owner, um, I, as someone who had AP One and then uh, enhanced autopilot and then now basic autopilot that came with the new Tesla, uh, I struggle to see the value in FSD because you're paying ten thousand dollars for stuff my other car did for for two thousand dollars. I think it was. 
Um, but what I find interesting about the subscription pricing is they offer it for cars that have enhanced autopilot. And as far as I can tell, they would gain zero features from that subscription right now. Like with the exception of if you were in the full self-driving beta, which is what everyone's probably seen YouTube videos of where it's now doing more city street style of navigation. Oh, you're absolutely right. Like our, my father's Model S is an enhanced autopilot. Well, first off, he has to pay for an autopilot computer, uh, yeah, FSD so computer upgrade, even though the car was FSD yep. ready when we bought it, but that's a different story somehow. Uh, so he would pay $1,500 and then $99 a month and it would gain him. And I mean, unless... Does his traffic, car light, tra traffic, traffic light and stop sign control be maybe the only thing it would gain. I don't think it's doing that. That's it for $100 a month. And wow. I the exception would only be the FSD exclusive beta that ever is kind of the big news, but not everyone's a member of that. So buying this doesn't guarantee you that. So what basically this is, of course, we can talk about features. We can talk about the ethics behind the naming. We can talk about the usefulness of the system and, and how good or bad it is, that's a big topic. The big thing to me though, is we are now seeing Tesla's business model and the business model for automotive in many ways changing from a purchase upfront and bring it back to the dealer to service where now software is the service provided with the vehicle. It's software as a service. And that means that Tesla, you'll give them a big chunk of money upfront and they're going to start collecting monthly payments for literally nothing back in. And I think that mm -hmm. as a company investment, as a way to capture the minds of these enthusiasts is fantastic. And by the way, I think that auto lane change to me is worth $200 for a big road trip. I'm not ever yes. going to put 10 grand on the hood of my car, total it, get zero extra value, and then have to spend 10 grand on the next one because they won't let me transfer it. I'll spend... $200 for the month I'm going to take my car across the country and then turn it off. Awesome. I'm, I've bought in. I love the idea. Um, I think it's an amazing actually, business model choice. I think, I think it's actually not the worst idea. Like I'm almost a little tempted to go with the subscription just occasionally for messing with it on my own Tesla. The thing I, I really just wish was part of it is that you would also gain access to the full self-driving beta that is actually doing stuff that is, you know, closer towards that full self-driving territory rather than just sprinkling extra features on top of the autopilot system. Oh, but let's that, not get into not that. So. We're not going down the full self-driving road. That's a full episode. <laughs> Save that for later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, either way, that that beta system that is in use, I feel like that's what most people associate with it now because that's what's grabbing the headlines and. That's not what this gains you access to, which it's not misleading necessarily. I just think it's it they they it seems weird to prematurely release this uh, subscription before something that's more substantial as far as feature completion is available to utilize with it. So, Jordan, if you had a if you were buying a Tesla today, would you spend ten thousand dollars upfront to buy full self driving, or would you? Uh, go and spend $200 a month on the features when you needed it. That's hard. Um, <clears throat> what's the math where that breaks even? <laughs> so um, you're saying you would just keep it as a recurring $200 a month? I, I Either that or like only really use that when I know I'm going to use my Tesla for like a long road trip or, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's hard. I don't feel like I care that much about the features over autopilot yet. 
Um, I understand the promises Elon's made, and those sound really intriguing, but just like anything else, you shouldn't buy a product based on the promises of what it could be. That's been something exploding in the tech world lately for some reason. I mean, smartphones, home theater receivers, all sorts of things have been coming out with like, oh, it's going to support this in a software update soon. And then it just hasn't come to fruition. It's just so, an excuse for them to get the headlines and then not have yeah. to back it up. Yeah. Rush yeah, it out. Just get the, frustrating. The um, wave so I, of first adopters. I don't, I don't know if I would spring for it in either way. Um, I, I think it's cool. I mean, I've, I think auto summon is a lot of fun as like a party trick. But in terms of real life usability... I don't know if I'd care that much for most of these until like auto steer on city streets starts coming out. And let me frame it to you another way. How would you like a Tesla and then a really nice track Miata NA? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Or Uh, would you just like to have a Tesla? I mean, that's the thing. 10 grand buys a lot of race car. Yeah. Yeah. That that's, I, I don't think I could justify a 10 grand on it. I, the subscription piques my interest, but at the same time, that 200 a month is like, yeah, a payment on like a $15,000 car easily. I'll tell you a smarter move Tesla could have done, which is spend the 10 grand now and it transfers to your next Tesla. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's how it should have been. And it's not. Uh, that's a how lot of people who end up selling their car, they lose out. I mean, I know that they lose out and you usually don't get your 10 grand back on any value. Like if we're going to trade that car in, nobody really adds the value for the full self-driving because there's no guarantee that that will even be on the car for the next owner. <laughs> even better than that. I love this one. Uh, when you bought a car from Tesla with full self-driving and then traded it in back to Tesla, they would then remove the full self-driving and make the next owner pay for full self-driving again <laughs> at the higher new yeah. price. Oh, I'm not surprised. <laughs> so with this subscription, let's say, I mean, Tesla's, it was brilliant because they're going to get thousands of people to sign up and they're going to oh, make yeah. a lot of money, uh, just off like easy money. But if you have the subscription long enough and it pays for $10,000, do you then get full self-driving? No, it's you not a not. rent-to-buy situation. <laughs> okay, I was curious. I was like, I don't think it is. But someone asked me today, and I'm like, I'm pretty sure that doesn't They wouldn't that need way. to do that. They'll get someone who spends two oh, no. years writing $200 checks and then goes and spends, at that point, $13,000 on this thing. I, I think the rent, I think the subscription actually makes sense for more Tesla owners in general, just because you're not putting that huge capital out front that you're not guaranteed to get back. Do you remember who it was? Someone we knew tried to trade in there. Uh, was it? I think it might have been a three or an S. And Tesla said that they were like, "Oh, is that correct? The number, the traded number, seemed low." And they said, "But it has full self driving." And then the person had emailed them back saying that. Full self-driving isn't taken into account on Tesla trade-in values, which I recall finding like really shocking. Actually, that seems to be never utilized the... it. Yeah, but I'm I sure that changes. True. By the way, I went to go look at. Uh, I own a 2019 Tesla Model Three. It's a performance trim with all the options except full self-driving, of course. And I went to look at my trade-in values this week. I have about ninety thousand miles on my car, something like this, and. Uh, Carvana offered me $26,000. Tesla offered me $35,100 because it sounds better than the base 35. Oh, yeah. 
which is uh, interesting because my rear wheel drive long range, they gave me like way more than that for, I think. So they gave me a lot of money for that car to trade in. And then Vroom came in hot at 36. And I thought that was a pretty impressive price from them. I think everyone's looking at their trade in values right now. I mean, even I did briefly. I would never sell my Miata, but I was curious. I bought it two years ago with half the miles. And Carvana will give me more than what I paid for it. Oh, yeah. Right now's now. the time to sell. It's Just crazy. sell whatever it is yep. and get the most amount of discount on a new car. It's but, the best time to do it. Well, you're not going to be able to get too much on a new car, really, because it's no, not really No, no. You go for as much market. as you can. But, yeah, exactly. If you feel you got a good deal, then it's a good deal. But Tesla is just going back to your Tesla trade-in value. Teslas in general have always tended to hold their value well, at least Model 3 and the newer Model S's and X's. The older Model S's, not as much because they're just getting out of warranty now and people are nervous about the battery and all that and the drive Yeah, units. and Hoovy just bought one with that needs like 30 grand or something ridiculous. Yeah, exactly. And I think uh, Rich from Rich Rebuilds just had someone send him one that Tesla, or I think it was Tesla quoted 21 grand. To put it a was a Model in. 3 and they fixed it for a few hundred dollars. Yeah, and he just had a Model S show up on, after that, like just today, I think. Someone I sent him one from it. across the country to fix. Yeah, so, but Model 3s, though, right now, they're holding their value extremely well, even like the standard ranges or the original long-range rear-wheel drives, which doesn't matter the miles. I mean, they're all generally seem to be around $40,000 or more, which is more than what it was new. And most, some of those cars had uh, tax credits on them if you bought it new. Back in the day, Kyle, you're muted. Uh, Pre-pandemic, <laughs> my mom made like five grand on her Model Three, and now her Model Y is worth exactly what she paid for it thirteen thousand yep. miles ago. Especially the Model Y. There's just, I guess, people just don't want to wait. Like instead of buying a new one, they're like, "Oh, I'll pay a little more to have one now because instant gratification is a thing." I don't know. I think I also, that's played up. I bet you could walk into a Tesla store and just be like, "Find me an inventory car." And oh, I think it. so too. I mean, I've, I've read stories of people who've ordered their car and then a day or two later, Tesla's called them and be like, hey, we found this car in your exact spec. It's here. Right. Yeah. Well, I want to talk about um, BMW Z4 and actually not technically our side of the pond news, but this headline grabbed my attention um, and also relates to something else we've been driving lately, the Toyota Supras. Um, so the Z4 with the manual <laughs> is dead in Australia after only two were sold in two years. No one Wait. wants a manual transmission, apparently. More interestingly than this, can you scroll down a little bit and read the, the byline? Yeah, it was Does outsold. Does Mercedes make a new R63 still? No. No, I don't think so. That's got, look, and the NSX, well, that's new, but I don't, Mercedes definitely doesn't make an R63 anywhere. Not for any market. No. Jordan, is this it's the uh, platform? That's for so how can a Mercedes R sixty three outsell a manual Z four, which we never got the manual Z four in our country anyway. Yeah, we but, did. But the um, more interestingly, how did the R sixty three come into this calculation? <laughs> I think it was a random thing that someone who was writing this threw in there and they were like, This is fascinating. Because yeah, I guess an R63 was still on some lot somewhere. Like it wasn't outsold by much. 
Um, I think they're but... just talking total production numbers because, like, the, there's no <laughs> new R63s left. We're talking about 2012, 2013, maybe. I I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and well, apparently, yeah. I'm sorry. Since 2019, they only sold 370-ish Z4s in Australia, and just two of those were manual since 2019. Yeah. That's pretty pretty sad. So it is, I don't know. I I would love to drive this car. Um, I mean, Kyle and I had the new Supras. We had both the two liter and the three liter at the same time, which was a lot of fun to compare. And I ended up writing and talking about how I would actually pick the two liter. I was really proud of this title. Um, I the two liter was like genuinely my favorite of the two. Although the three was so fun, but I was like, man, if this two liter had a manual, I would probably figure out how to tweak my life around to buy it. Uh, it was that awesome to me. Um, I don't know, Kyle, what do you think? We, we kind of agreed and disagreed in some ways. Uh, I would just get a three liter and slap a big ass tune on it in a straight pipe and lay big ass elevens <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> now, I, I have a question for you about the two liter. If it made... I don't know, 100 horsepower less, would you still be interested in it if it was offered with a manual? But you could get the auto for all the higher power versions. So 180 probably, horsepower manual, would you want it? Probably not. It, I felt like it was so well balanced and I know plenty of people just basically flash tune it and immediately get 300 horsepower, 300 torque versus 255 from the factory um, because that engine can handle so much more than it's mm -hmm. given. Um, but the Supra is just like 100 horsepower less would be... 150 160 which is what my miata makes but it, it's heavier and yeah, yeah that wouldn't be wouldn't, good it would so not be that as is fun. the secret to this uh z4 headline because they said the manual is only offered on the z4 20i which is the if it's like a 320i what's that 180 horsepower motor yeah mm, it's yeah. less than 200 horsepower it's not very much so i I think BMW kind of did this to themselves a little bit by saying, hey, we've offered the manual for sports car enthusiasts. And then they said, but it's with the least powerful engine we can produce. So yeah. <laughs> kind of like... I, 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 yeah, I, I, uh, I think... Are the they trying to prove it's be... not popular? It's like, are they making a point? or? I think the two would be so great with the manual. And I loved the three, but I think it'd be hard to manage with the manual. Um, I... It was just like too much, it, not too much. It was a phenomenally fun amount of power, but like a manual would have been in your way driving it versus the two felt very fun and engaging and a manual would have enhanced it. It's kind of this weird balance I think they struck. And so I'm, I'm, I'm still thinking they may have a manual at some point. I mean, Toyota's committed to yearly updates to. on these, um, although the 2022 update is really disappointing, just the CF edition, but um it's carbon fiber yeah carbon fiber woohoo we love that um but i yeah i don't know it's that is a bummer and that's you're right they they basically sabotage their own z4 by putting the manual in honestly an underpowered engine for the car it's it's just too heavy of a car for that engine well let's be honest if you're interested in the sporty bmw you're not buying the z4 anyway you're gonna buy an m2 yeah. and then in that yeah, i'm sure there's a the high percentage money. yeah you just go m2 all day long Expensive. I like. I like it. I mean, I like the way it looks. Yeah, and I would actually consider it over a Supra uh, because so I didn't I. think the Supra was that 
sporty. Like, it's not like a track kind of car. I'm not going to, like, go shred it. So I want to go have fun in the Supra on a back road, which is then, like, maybe I'll just drop the top and get a GT convertible type thing. And the thing that's so special about the Z4 and so special about the Supra is that you sit almost on the rear axle. So any hint of rear axle movement feels like big skids, but you're only doing these little things because you're swinging around back there. Uh, really special car, cool things. I mean, d- just to, to knock the Super really quick, the two liter overheated on me on my drive. Um, and, <laughs> and I don't think I was the only person that that happened to. And uh, the three liter uh, cooled itself just well and was awesome, but it did get heat soaked still. So you could add more power, but you lose thermal longevity by doing that. Yeah, I, I agree. It, it's if the two liter had both the manual and you know if they did the target top like they did in the Mark IV, I'd buy it. But my grandfather had one of those new, so cool. Oh, I remember being a kid rolling around in that thing. That's the goal. I mean, I, I have to have an open top, like either a convertible or a target, but I'd prefer a convertible. So Z4 would be my choice as well, especially because yeah, if I'm if I want a genuine track monster. It wouldn't be a Supra because yeah, we <laughs> they didn't they didn't do too well for us. Well, the two liter was better for short track work just because it could turn in way better. Uh, you know, in, in terms of a tactile car for like autocrosses, two liter all day long. But screw it, just get the three liter and do skids. That's <laughs> yeah. all that matters. That I will say that nitro yellow was extremely attention grabbing. I mean, driving around downtown Boulder with that everyone stopped what they were doing and just kind of followed with their head. And most people just didn't even know what it was. I loved it. I have never driven a car, maybe other than a Morgan three wheeler that got nearly as much attention as this thing did. And I've driven some spicy cars and this is like people screaming across parking lots and just losing their minds, racing you. I had a dude in a truck, literally just doing pulls with me over and over allegedly. And just, absolutely shredding and i'm in a toyota like yeah <laughs> it was amazing yeah, if you're in a z4 that wouldn't happen never <laughs> i do wish the two liter had more, better exhaust sound i know that could be remedied aftermarket but the three liter exhaust was pretty awesome um but the two liter i mean since the engine's smaller and just shoved back further it's technically front mid engine i mean did did you feel any difference with that for the handling kyle or is that oh just- at night and day yeah. Yeah. That's what I was talking about. How it just gets into corners way better on track. Um, uh, totally different balance on the car, uh, way more tossable. But uh, for me, I still would go three liter. I mean, I see your argument for the two liter. It's, it's more fun and, and more tactile, but like, I don't know. I guess I don't do that much tactile driving. I do a lot of like, let me try and slide around kind of driving. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But I don't know. I was I was pretty smitten, and I mean, obviously coming from Miata, I was like, "Wow, this trunk is huge!" Uh, <laughs> Great trunk space. Everything about this car was amazing. And um, Mike, have you driven a new Supra yet? No, not yet. We got to change that. I was yes. really had a blast. I know. In that I, yellow car. I really want to drive one. Um, I've been interested in one like since they've come out, just to just to drive one after watching videos on it. Um, I've sat in them, just never driven them. I mean, what's crazy is the second model year, they still didn't fix the wind buffeting. The, have you guys heard of that? Just it famously, if you, if the windows are down, 
at any speed, oh, yeah. like 35 or 40, it kills you with the buffeting. And this the worst thing deflector. I've ever experienced in a car, this like the biggest design oversight. Yeah, this <laughs> tiny deflector here, aftermarket, and the right photo fixes it. And Supra or Toyota hasn't done that yet. So they're just relying on people to stick things on their tiny little. They probably have to wait for BMW to engineer one first. <laughs> at, at what speed did you say the buffeting starts? Because I've all seen deflectors like the... all of it. Oh my God. <laughs> I've seen uh, it's it's big in the Porsche world for people to do that on 911s, but that's because some tracks require you to run. You have to have the windows down when you run the track, but those are like 125 mile an hour speeds. First is where gear. people are complaining. First the gear, top, okay. Top of first, it buffets. Yeah, yeah so I would shout out to the buffeting removal deflector. <laughs> I would just drive around town in first gear, and it's a in my head. Yeah, I mean, if you Google Toyota Supra forum, and then that'll autofill is like wind buffing itself <laughs> fixed. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. It's still awesome. Great JBL sound system. I love how the subs have like the wheel spoke design on them. I just, I was really in love with this car. More Sounds like you should buy one. It's yeah, why aren't you. you buying one? You're so in love. Go get one. Because nobody's buying them <laughs> anymore. They were buying I'm holding, them. I'm holding out for manual or targa or both no uh, but here's the best part about a car you don't have to keep it you buy the auto the manual comes out and then you get the manual well i'm so happy there won't be a manual the miata that's just like nothing's been able to grip, pull me away from that yet so oh, it sounds like the super is pulling you away <laughs> <laughs> yeah time in one of our videographers almost bought a supra uh but he bought a motorcycle instead which i guess is just as exhilarating yeah, in a different sure. way. <laughs> sure, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, what what else do we have going up? We're nearing the end of the show. Do we have some big big stuff we want to get to? We spoke, I, I think, to... Formula E last week, right? Or no, maybe not. That no, that we might have touched on it, but we didn't really podcast. dive into it. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, so, I don't. I didn't watch it, so I don't know too much about Formula E. I was oh, there. I know from our man oh, there, uh, what's the future of motorsports like? Uh, everyone's like, oh, I could never watch motorsports without engine noises, but you were there. I, I heard videos of those things. They made some interesting sounds still. There's noises, yeah. <laughs> well, um, I can't even watch motorsport with engine noise, so maybe I was the wrong person <laughs> to go. <laughs> ben, you should have gone. Um, I, have same, I have the same issue. I'm only really interested if I'm doing it. Exactly. I don't know. Well, every I time I've gone to a racetrack, I'm enjoying snacks and shopping for like random gifts and stuff. I can't look. To be honest, it's a networking event. You know, I go there. I run into a whole bunch of people. We start talking. Oh, the cars are going around the track. It's hot out there. No one wants to go out there. I'll take another martini, please. Yeah, another uh, whatever it is. We're doing wine tasting with the cars going around the track <laughs> because. The problem with these city tracks is you really only get a little tiny glimpse of whatever they're doing, right? So it's, and then uh, no one has a crash in front of you, so it's not exciting. Okay, but that's the negatives, that, and that's just me being a little bit silly. Seriously, though, the innovation, the work, the uh, amount of uh, effort by the teams and manufacturers, most importantly, going into electric racing is seriously exciting. I'm more of a rally fan myself. This whole new electric rally series seems awesome. But the cars are getting better. Ativa, the main battery pack supplier, which is basically Lucid, is getting a ton of real-world high-heavy use case 
uh, charges. The calendar for next season is going to be amazing. A lot of cool cities we're going to go to, and we are going to go to them. Uh, we're looking for someone to cover these races for us. So if you either, A, don't have a job that would restrict you from traveling, and B, want to cover Formula E races, let me know uh, because we're going to send someone around to all the races for our new electric performance channel, uh, which would be kind of cool. And I really had a great time. It was great to see everything. Next year, they're going to be charging midway, at least as an option. I think it'll be one of those things where you can drive slowly and skip a charging stop or blast and charge. And charging curves and peak charging speeds all going to play a role in this. And our friends at ABB, um, really good friends at ABB, sponsor the entire Formula E series. And they're also going to be providing the charging of all the vehicles for next season. So we're going to go in-depth on their solutions. Um, if you don't already listen to our Inside EVs podcast, because on Friday or tomorrow, the day after this podcast goes live, um, Dan O'Shea from ABB is going to be joining us, and he's head of charging for them. He's going to explain how they're doing everything here for Formula E, or at least we're going to try and get as much info out of them. Either way, the cars are really stupid fast, and I, I, it was very competitive. I'll say that much. I mean, it sounds like it's going to get even more interesting next year with the charging aspect of it. That That is cool, actually. Well, now it gets into like our road tripping, right? Or, or cannonballing, especially. Yep. It's, do we go slow and skip charging stops or do we rocket chargers? And when do we charge? Do we wait till the battery's dead? Do we go midway? I mean, what's the strategy? Yeah, will there and be so, a difference? You know, if I ran this race, I would, because no one would care. This would be only the Kyle Connor race. I'd make <laughs> everyone start, start dead. And charge first before going out of the track. <laughs> How is your charging percent state of charge? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's do you stop twice and do two fifty percent charges, or do you just do a full charge? And you know, this this could all be part of a race no one would watch. And starting, okay, so uh, oh, and they're off charging. <laughs> all right, let's That's... hear from our commercial break partners for the next thirty minutes. That's yeah. I, my my funny mental image is them pulling in, doing a you know amazing seven second pit stop, and then everyone just sits and waits for about fifteen minutes while it charges. <laughs> That's exactly they how can it change the tires in one point six seconds, like Formula One, and then it's like, yeah. so you want to go grab a bagel? <laughs> but I have to say, I really wish they would get out of this whole city track mentality because. Getting to this track was a pain in the butt. Going through <laughs> Brooklyn, like no hotels, no parking. I just went home to Connecticut. I actually had a hotel booked in Brooklyn available. Mine. I paid for it. And I didn't stay in it because I couldn't find a place to park. <laughs> yeah. I, I can't do that. Colorado Springs did it right. I mean, the, that, the Pikes Peak Speedway is annoyingly far away if you're in northern Colorado like us. But it is not in the city whatsoever, and I love that. Um, yeah, but yeah, that's a. I, I'd love to go to one of these at some point. I mean, yeah, I haven't too. paid too much attention in motorsport until like that Formula One Drive to Survive show came out on Netflix, and then I was like, "Wow, this is fascinating." I mean, it's full of drama, full of intense, you know. Yeah, it, it's just really interesting, and I never gave it too much notice. But I'm I'm now interested. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, look, it, it's a cool thing. We'll be covering more of it, and uh, yeah, look, formally, I don't know. It's interesting, but I don't think it's going to have mass appeal. 
not for a bit. Well, shall we call it there, boys? Yeah, I mean, I think we're we're pretty much good. We got through everything. I mean, uh, Mike and Ben, anything interesting going on with you guys recently that you want to talk about? Uh, nothing new too much, really. Just uh, trying to go to work every day. <laughs> I uh, I personally think Sweating I'm going to end up with a Rivian at some point. That's the daily struggle right now is the spec. <laughs> Let's have a Rivian topic for next week's show. Yeah. Talk about Let's... where the company is, their delivery estimates, because uh, they just recently had a, 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 a delay, delay, I should say. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think that would be really good to have. Also wanted to mention for our viewers, uh, spe specifically in Europe or that are familiar with Europe, um, I will be in Munich for the first couple weeks of September and I will be filming a whole bunch of different cars, specifically EVs is what I'm trying to focus on, European EVs that we don't get here. So I've already booked ID3, Honda E, um, I think Fiat 500E, RS e-tron GT, and some other stuff that I'm looking forward to. I kind of want to try like a, is it the Kia Seed? Or, uh, and there's Seed. the... Uh, there's also the uh, Zoe, which is extremely popular in Europe. It's like Very the popular. most popular EV, and I've never been in one. Also, I've heard a lot of good things about the MGZS uh, SUV electric. People are loving that, too, as it turns out. So, Man, and the one. MG brand in general, I have no uh, sort of no resemblance with, never been in an MG. I think I used to race them in like Gran Turismo, but like, uh, what an interesting brand. And yes. And Bjorn owns one in Thailand, doesn't he? I, I think that's, I think that's the case as well. Yeah. Um, and I think they do a, uh, oh yeah, the Skodas. I forgot about that. The, well, yeah, this is just really an cool ID for it's like a better ID four from yeah, supposedly the worst brand, which makes no sense. <laughs> I know. Well, and they've got what Cupra is sort of their sportier version of this, which is again the same platform, but just. And then cool. you have the Cupra L Born, which is like an ID three R. Yeah, that looks really cool, cool. Actually, I'm a fan. That's of that a one. spicy machine. I, I yeah, just put that on the screen for the the audience to, to yeah, finish off the up. podcast because that's a cool looking way to have an ID three. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's Cupra C U P R A, and then I think it's just L Born E L B O R N. Yeah. Oh yeah. There we go. Mm -hmm. Hot so it's an ID three, but like, yeah, exactly, turned up to eleven. I love it. Yeah, so I'm 77 kilowatt hour battery, rocking fast, all pretty good. Nice. Yeah. Cool. Well, uh, glad uh, glad to do this show with you guys again. That's really fun yeah. every uh, every time. I mean, we're going to obviously change it all up. I won't be on every show, but at least for the first couple shows, we got the OG crew here, and uh, yeah. it's been fun talking cars for another week. Yep. Thanks so much for joining us, guys. Um, check out all of our other stuff at Out of Spec on most platforms. And uh, we are we're busy and we're putting out content and we're having a lot of fun doing it. All right. We'll see you guys next week. Bye bye. Yeah, Till next Thanks. time. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.